0: Uh, Trinity is in the middle, or you've just begun a series on finding God in the middle, and sort of, you know, thinking about the middle of your Bible, which is about where what is found? The book of Psalms, right, and so um, Pastor John Mark has, has asked us to find a psalm that talks about how God is present in the middle of different kinds of emotional places, such as joy, or anger, or grief or confusion, and uh, today's Psalm Psalm seventy two begins with these two words of Solomon. And as you read the Psalm and as we read it, you'll see that it's not it's not just of Solomon; it's really for Solomon. Um, this Psalm is um, probably originally written by his father, who was King David. And it was probably written, it appears, uh, as as you will see in the last verse, that this was written at the end of David's life. And so you can imagine King David, having reigned 40 years, is on his deathbed and is praying this psalm, maybe his last psalm that he ever wrote, for or of Solomon. And I'm sure Solomon took it and arranged it and presented it to be used in worship Uh, even as we're doing today. So would you stand with me as we read God's word? Psalm 72. This is the word of God. Of Solomon, give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people, and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people, give deliverance to the children of the needy, and crush the oppressor. May they fear you while the sun endures, and as long as the moon throughout all generations May he be like the rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days may the righteous flourish and peace abound till the moon be no more. May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May desert tribes bow down before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and of the coastlands render him tribute. Long may he live, may gold of Sheba be given to him. May prayer be made for him continually and blessings invoked for him all the day. May there be an abundance of grain in the land. On the tops of the mountains may it wave, may its fruit be like Lebanon. And may people blossom in the cities like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever his fame continue as long as the sun. May people be blessed in him. All nations call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. This is God's word. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this last will and testament of our father, David, given to his son, Solomon. And Lord, we pray that you would speak your words to us now. That we would, you would give us ears to hear and give us a heart to believe. In your name we pray, the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. This psalm is a prayer. It's a prayer for primarily three things, and, 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 I, and I'm finding these three things in the first three verses. So look, look with me at the first three verses again. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. And let the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the hills and righteousness. Do you hear these words repeating over and over? Justice, righteousness, righteousness prosperity these are themes that 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 are picked up throughout the prayer throughout the psalm of of righteousness and of justice and of prosperity and first he begins with a prayer of, of of righteousness well what is that what is righteousness what does it sound like it sounds like being what being right Right, it's, it's living right. It's living according to God's revealed will. It's, it's living according to God's word. It's, it's righteous. It's a Hebrew word, tzedek. And it means, in, in, in total, it means loving God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind and all of our strength. Loving God with every fiber of our being is being righteous. And there's one other part to it, isn't there? Loving not only God, but who? Our neighbor. right? Loving others. Loving our neighbor as ourself. Look at verse 7. In verse 7, the prayer reads, In his days may the righteous flourish, and peace abound till the moon be no more. May he have dominion from sea to sea, from the river to sea, to the ends of the earth. You see, righteousness is not just uh, outward conformity. It's not just getting in a box and, and checking off rules that we obey, but, but righteousness is truly a matter of our hearts. It goes, it goes deep down into our motives, like what, not, not only what we do, but why we do what we do. Righteousness digs deep into our souls, and I think that's why the prayer here is that dominion may be from sea to sea. That every part of life may come under God's righteous reign. That righteousness would cover everything in life. That we would bow to God's will in all things. Not just the areas that are religious or easy or exposed. But that we would bow to God in all things. Abraham Kuyper was the prime minister of the Netherlands a hundred years ago. And Abraham Kuyper has a famous quote that I'm going to read to you now, and it says this. There is not a square inch of the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. Let me read that again. There is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, What? Mine. Righteousness is, is, is letting Christ rule everything in life. We have people over to our house all the time. Some of you, raise your hand if you have people over to your house all the time. I know there are a few of you. Okay, and, and most of us are like, No, <laughs> we can go to someone else's house. And, and I'm going to let you in on a little secret. When we have people over to our house, we share everything. We share our kitchen. We share our furniture. We share the bathroom. We share the guest room. We share the living room, of course, the front porch, the backyard, the new treehouse. Everything, 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 right? No, 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 not everything. Because, see, there's one room in our house it is off limits it's the one room that when we have people over the door is usually locked you know what room that is anybody want to guess my room that's right our bedroom <laughs> and why is that because it's it's even though it's pristine and clean of course that's where we stuff everything you know, that's where we take the piles that were on the table and we, and we put them on our bed. That's where we take the laundry that, that I have yet to fold and, and, and put it on the bed. Right? There's that one room that's off limits. And see, that's not righteousness. Righteousness doesn't allow any area of our life to be off limits. God's kingdom has dominion over every square inch, everything. What we do in our jobs, what we, what we buy with our money, what we think in our private thoughts, what we do with our bodies, everything, every square inch God calls into righteousness. And this is a prayer that the king, that Solomon, the son of the king, would be righteous. That he would reign Every square inch of Israel with righteousness. Let me ask you. I want you to think about your life. What are the rooms in your life that are off limits to God? I really want you to think about it. What are the rooms in your life and in your heart that you have closed off to God? It said, no, you can't go there. You can't go there, God. This is a prayer. It's a prayer, y'all, for righteousness. That those rooms, that the door of that room would be kicked in. That all of the secrets and the, the, the dirty things that go on in our secret places would be revealed. That the dirty laundry would be revealed to God. And come under his rule, his loving rule, that we might be righteous in all things. First, this is a prayer for righteousness. That the righteous might flourish. Did you see that? That the righteous might flourish. Because the devil lies to us and tells us that true happiness comes in getting our own way. And doing our own thing. But God says, no dear children. It's not getting your way, it's, it's getting my way. That's where true happiness lies. That's where true flourishing lies, but we don't believe him, do we? No. We don't believe him. And so there's a need for prayer, a need for prayer, for righteousness. Secondly, there is a prayer here for justice. Justice is a Hebrew word, mishpat. Isn't that a cool word? Mishpat. Justice. We often think about justice as what? Scales, right? The scales of justice. Bringing, bringing two things into equality, into uh, justice. You know, it's like it's like at the family reunion, that last piece of pie. And, and for me, that would be like the the, 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 um, the lime, the key lime pie. That last piece of key lime pie, which I want to myself, but as I'm about to take that last piece, someone else comes up and says, hey, I want that piece too. And so then we have to cut the piece and it's, y'all, it's only this big. We have to cut it in half and it has to be fair, right? It has to be just. So how do we do this? Let someone else decide? No, that's no good. I'm going to decide. right? So I cut the piece in half. And here's, here's justice. Justice is me cutting the piece in half and letting the other person choose first. It's blind, right? Justice is blind. It's, it's, it's cutting it in half and letting the other person choose first. A prayer for impartiality a prayer for goodness in judgment, for fairness. And while that is true, while that is justice, it's fairness, that is not really what this particular psalm focuses on. This psalm focuses on a different aspect of justice. Look with me at verse 12. For he delivers the needy when he calls, the poor, and him who has no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy, and saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence, he redeems their life. Precious is their blood in his sight. This this other aspect of justice is... A positive aspect of justice. It's not just uh, punishing wrongdoing. That's one side of justice. But the other side of justice is a a positive doing of good. Delivering the needy. Being a helper to him who has no helper. Having pity on the weak. Saving lives. Redeeming from oppression and violence. It's why we believe in uh, that there's such a thing as a just war. You know that we can go and send people out to protect life. It's justice. It's the positive aspect of it. So part of it is punishing wrongdoers, but part of it is defending and, and, and redeeming, and, and like, my, like my grandfather did, going and, and, and rescuing the Jews from the Holocaust. There's a, there's a positive aspect of justice here in the Scripture that we pray for. Pastor Timothy Keller writes in his book, Generous Justice, these words, We do justice when we give all human beings their due as creations of God. Doing justice includes not only the righting of wrongs, but generosity and social concern, especially toward the poor and vulnerable. This kind of life reflects the character of God. It consists in a broad range of activities from simple, fair, and honest dealings with people in daily life to regular, radically generous giving of your time and resources to activism that seeks to end particular forms of injustice, violence, and oppression. Justice is giving human beings their due as creations of God. And don't you see that reflected in this passage? He delivers the needy when he calls. He doesn't hang up. The poor, him who has no helper, he helps. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy from oppression and violence. He redeems their life precious is their blood in his sight he loves the poor and the needy that is david's prayer for his son solomon the king positive care is justice yes it's it's punishing wrongdoers but but it's also it's also giving in the spirit of generosity to those who are in need and 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 in our culture we tend to blame the victim, right? You, you got there because you're an alcoholic. You got there because you made bad choices. And we, we tend, and I say we because I mean it, y'all. We point the finger at the weak, the one who has no helper, the needy. We say, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. We, we think that way, don't we? We We do. And now there's some good wisdom to be applied in that, isn't there? Yes, but but the prayer here, I think that's easy. That part's easy. Helping someone, giving them advice, that's easy. The hard part is helping them when they don't deserve it. That is justice, is helping someone when they don't have a helper, including themselves. When they don't have a helper including themselves, and this is exactly what Israel needed. This is exactly what our world needs today. This is what Orangeburg needs. Not doing for people so they can't do for themselves, no. No, Don't mishear me. That's not what I'm saying. But God has called each of us as his children, as his little K kings, to go out and to do justice as the Lord gives us opportunity so, how has God called you personally to do justice? Maybe it's just in your nine to five. In your work. What are ways that you can stand for the poor, that you can help the helpless, that you can save life in your nine-to-five? I mean, we, we often think about ministry as what we do on the weekend or Sunday morning, but ministry is, is nine to five. It's it's what you do at the shop, it's what you do in your yard it's loving your neighbor, it's it's all of that. And I'm going to give you an example of how I failed to do justice recently. Um, w- w- one of the ways we can do justice in our community is by giving dignity to African Americans who, because of our background and history, still feel prejudiced against, still feel sort of prejudged in a lot of different situations. They do, right? And so I was at Lowe's uh, a little while ago, and I was sh- looking for some wood because I had a project I was doing. And uh, this, this um, sort of middle-aged white man was, was coming up next to me, and I was, I was frustrated. I was sort of visibly frustrated. I couldn't find what I was looking for. And he took it upon him to say, having trouble finding what you're looking for, aren't you? And I said, yeah, I am, actually. I don't, I don't know where this piece of wood is. I can't remember now what it was. And he said, yeah, that's just the way they are. And at first I didn't quite understand what he was saying. I was like, what are you saying? It's just the way they are. What do you mean? And he said, Well, you know, the managers of of this store are all black. He kind of whispered it like that. He said, They just they can't organize stuff. And I was paralyzed. I didn't know how to respond. So I didn't respond. He walked away. Later, I thought, man, I should have said this. I should have stood up and said, no, you're wrong. Black people are not irresponsible. Okay, maybe the individual guy who's the manager of the store is, right? But not black people. See, this, this moment, this kind of moment happens all the time. And it happens, it happens not just with black people. It happens with poor people. It happens with, with those who in some way have been, as the, as the Scripture says, who have been oppressed or at the end of violence. And it, and it has an ongoing effect in our lives. And, and we can either throw up our hands and say, well, that's just the way the world is. Or we, as, as people who are under God's rule and under his reign, we can go and we can, and we can Lord willing, step up and say, no, you're wrong about that. No, the, the, the unborn life is precious in God's sight. A prayer For justice. And thirdly, this is a prayer for prosperity. (laughs) In Sunday school this morning, uh, Michael mentioned prosperity preachers. Well, you know, I'm going to be a prosperity preacher this morning, okay? And here it is. This word prosperity is a word that you know in Hebrew. Anybody want to take a guess what it is? starts with a shh. I hear it. I think I hear it. What is it? Shalom. Yeah. The word that's translated in our passage, prosperity, is the word shalom, which you know means what? Peace. Right? It means peace. It means well-being. Look at verse 3. Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people. Let the mountains bear peace and well-being for the people. Verse 16. May there be an abundance of grain in the land. On the tops of the mountains, may it wave. May its fruit be like Lebanon. And may people blossom in the cities, like the grass of the field. May his name, that is the king, may his name endure forever. His fame continue as long as the sun. May people be blessed in him. All nations, Call him blessed. May there be an abundance of grain. This is a prayer, isn't it? It's a prayer for life, it's a prayer for God's kingdom that there would be an abundance. The king in in these days was not a president, he didn't rule over a democracy. He was the king. And the king in a monarchy owned everything. And so this is a prayer from David who knows the temptation of, of, of abusing power, doesn't he? David knows the temptation because he's fallen into it. He prays that there would be an abundance of grain and that it would be shared with all of the people. That the king would not hoard to himself, but that he would share the abundance so that people would blossom in the city, isn't that a beautiful image of people blossoming? I mean, look look at your neighbor next to you, and think of them with with a flower growing out of their head. Okay, that's weird, isn't it? But that's what he's praying. He's saying, "May the people blossom, just like we were created in the beginning. Remember to be what? To be fruitful. God created us and gave us a sphere of a family and of a of a of a job." To rule over and to be fruitful and to bring God's glory into every aspect of life. And so we pray with David and with Solomon that God would bring prosperity. That people would grow and flourish and live in justice and in righteousness and in the love that God has given to us. Notice how he says, may people be blessed in him. This is a profound biblical idea. That that people like us would be blessed in the king. That we would receive our well-being, our shalom, through the shalom of the king. That we would get it in him and you know in salvation what do we say that we are in Christ right that 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 through faith in him we are united to him by faith and so all of the riches and all of the the peace and all of the prosperity of Jesus is ours it is it is ours if we are in him that we would be blessed in him and I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself but how can we How can we bless? How can our... How can the prosperity of our lives, and I don't just mean material prosperity, but the the good things that God is doing in us, how can we let that be a blessing to others? Isn't that one of Trinity's, isn't that your statement, your sort of mission statement? Building God's church and blessing our community. That's it. I want to... I want us to think about what are the spheres that God has placed us in. What are the circles? You know, your family, your work, your church, your neighborhood. What are the spheres, the the circles that God has placed you in where where as he blesses you, you can can sort of have a trickle-down effect in blessing other people? Intentionally? Loving them as you have been loved by God. One way we can do this is through the Jobs for Life ministry. I mean, one way, one way that I know many of you have done that is through this ministry where we help people who are unemployed and underemployed to not just find work, but to find dignity. I mean, so much of the, the, so much of the struggle to find work is the struggle of dignity. Just not feeling like you have anything to offer the world. Because you've been told over and over and over that you're terrible. And that you mean nothing and that you will amount to nothing. Jobs for Life is is, is one example of a ministry where we bring God's word to bear and say, no, you were created in the image of God. And and you do have dignity because of that. And God wants to do something in your life that no one else can do. He wants to bring a blessing to our city that that no one else can bring. And I mean, I have seen... uh, in the course of four different semesters we've done, I've seen God turn lives around and fill people with that idea of dignity. A guy named Wesley, who just could not get a job, could not get a job, blaming everyone, goes through jobs for life, and he is still employed today. And it's been almost a, a year. Still employed today. Still has a, 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 God, a God outlook on his life. Praise God. Right? Praise God for that. He moved to New Jersey. <laughs> he, he texted me, Happy Father's Day this morning. Praise God. God's at work in this man's life. So I encourage you, as you hear about Jobs for Life, get involved. Pray that God would send people who need to take the class too. That's a big thing. The last thing I want to talk about is, is, is we've talked about a prayer for righteousness, truly an integrated life where God has dominion over everything, a, a just life where we care for those who can't help themselves and prosperity where the blessings of life go out and flow out from us to others is, is basically okay, so, so where does this get fulfilled? Where does this prayer get answered? But don't you want to know how God answers our prayers? And if we think about David and we think about his son Solomon we can see that God did answer this prayer in the life of Solomon. Glory to God. When it comes to righteousness, Solomon ruled with godly wisdom. He ruled Israel and was at peace for 40 years. He ruled with righteousness. He ruled according to God's word to a large degree. And so God answered that prayer in the life of Solomon. The, The issue of justice and of caring for the poor and the needy. Do you remember the story in First Kings 3 where two prostitutes had, had both given birth overnight and one of the children died and the other, went, the other woman went to the other woman's bed and stole her baby and put it to her breast? You Remember that story? And, and, and these women were disputing whose baby was dead and whose baby was alive and they brought them both to King Solomon and king solomon heard their case he considers the case of two poor prostitutes he gave them the dignity of his judgment isn't that incredible (laughs) just in the first place and then he says bring me a sword (laughs) did he kill one of the babies What ended up happening is the true mother said, no, she can have him, okay, she can have him. And then at that point, Solomon knew this is the real mother, right? And he gave justice to the poor. Prosperity, I mean, we don't even need to mention how rich Solomon was, do we? Materially, God answered that prayer for prosperity. The land had great material riches, and Solomon used it for God's glory. He built the most magnificent temple For God. He used God's wealth to spread God's fame throughout all of the world. And so this prayer was answered in some measure in the life of Solomon, but we know know enough about the Bible that there are really no heroes in the Bible, right? That Solomon, even though God answered the prayer in the life of Solomon, that his righteousness did not extend to every room. There was at least one room more than one that Solomon said, No, God, you, you 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 aren't allowed in here. And so Solomon took many women to his personal use. He sought to build his own righteousness, his own kingdom by worshipping foreign gods. Solomon fell far short of the king that David prayed that he would be. And so ultimately, this prayer is not answered in Solomon. And it wasn't answered in Solomon's son, or his son, or his son. But owned down the line, at just the right time, God sent forth his own son, born in the line of King David, born as a future son of David in answer to this prayer. Jesus, the true King, came and He came in righteousness. He came being tempted in every way by Satan and yet without sin. He came opening up every door of His life to the scrutiny of man and of God. And his own mother. Declared. He's righteous. If anybody knows your dirt. It's your mama. <laughs> who was at the cross with Jesus? Mary. The spotless lamb of God. And for everyone who believes in him. His righteousness. Covers our life. It is what covers our life. It is what we, we look to to be blessed in and through to bless others. And the life of Jesus was a life of justice. Jesus welcomed the poor, didn't he? He welcomed them not just as a, as a token, but in truth and in, into his very bosom, he welcomed them. He loved them. He got dirty around them. He let their reputation scar his own. He was called a a drunkard because he was around them so much. He healed them. He received them. He built a kingdom where the poor were cared for. That is our king. King of righteousness. King of justice. And you know, we all deserve Death because of God's justice, don't we? But Jesus on the cross, he took the death penalty that justice demanded so that we could be forgiven. So that we would not have to face the wrath of God. But that that is taken away in Christ. On the cross, justice paid for. And prosperity. I mean, Jesus was a king of prosperity, wasn't he? His very first miracle you know what it was? It's okay to talk. He turned water into wine at a wedding feast. We I mean, talk about prosperity. Jesus was the, is the king of the world. He says, all of this creation is mine. And he says, now let's enjoy it. Don't let the party stop. This is a marriage. This is, an, this is a picture of, of my relationship with the church. And so he said, let's, let's enjoy this day. Bringing prosperity to that moment and then establishing an eternal kingdom where all of the things that are broken will be made new. Where all of the sadness will be turned into joy. And that is the kingdom, the new creation, where we who are blessed in Him will be blessed forevermore. Jesus, the King of righteousness and of justice and of shalom, prosperity and Jesus is not only our example to follow he is the one through whom by his grace through faith in him we actually live and move and have our being we live in him and so as we talked about in Sunday school this morning as we go to the scripture as we meditate on God's word we're not just meditating for religious exercise we're 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 meditating to know him so that he can live in and through us, so that we can go out into this world where he's placed us in the different circles and spheres and open up our entire life to him and live righteously, live a life of justice and care for the poor and live in the prosperity and the peace that he has for us. I want to end just by reading Psalm 72, the last two verses, or or 18 and 19. And this is where the prayer turns to praise. And David cries out, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. And may the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, we thank you for the, the truth. That you've given to us. We thank you for the reminder of who you are, what you've done. We thank you for the reminder that we, like Solomon, fall short. We fall short, but that Jesus lived and died and rose again so that we can have life of righteousness and justice and prosperity. And so, Lord, I pray that you would continue your work of renewal by your Spirit among us for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.